So how do you handle the storms of life? My dog handles it poorly. We have a multi-poo, 15-year-old. I don't know what happened in your house on Wednesday night, but that storm that came rumbling through, I mean, I, I don't know what our dog thinks is going to happen by just pacing around the bedroom when there's thunder and lightning, but it w- woke me up 1 o'clock in the morning, and I took her outside to go to the bathroom, and, and that was even worse. I mean, it was like lightning and thunder more than ever when I got her outside, and so tried to calm her down, and eventually I just had to put her in a kennel. I assumed she was fine. I just couldn't hear her. And so I, I laid there, and I then did the absolute worst thing you could possibly do if you're trying to go back to sleep. I looked at my phone, and it had been a, a really hard day in many ways. I'd heard about what happened at Mission of Hope. Mission of Hope is one of our global partners. I've been there. It's a beautiful ministry. They do a m- remarkable things, but apparently the facility where they fed and taken care of so many people had been taken over by gangs. I hadn't heard how terrible things have gotten in Haiti. And then on Wednesday, I discovered that a friend of mine, a new friend, someone who I spent a couple weeks with in India, just interviewed recently, and he shared his remarkable story of coming to faith, just suddenly passed away. And I, I, uh, his name is Jai. I have a picture of him. There he is uh, in between me and John there. And I was waiting to hear what happened. And I didn't want to post about him until someone else had acknowledged it from the other side of the planet. But they're doing so many remarkable things. In fact, me and Jaya had started to plan because of John's new role at our church, kind of transitioning out of senior pastor, about ways we could team together, just dreaming about the future together. And then all of a sudden, he was, he was gone. And it wasn't until that middle of the night that I'm looking at my phone and trying to see if anyone had posted yet that I found uh, Naveen, who was in that picture as well, had posted what had happened that day at the school. There's about 200 kids that live on campus, that many of them are orphans, and the kids were there in this video he posted uh, surrounding Jaya's body, which was in a glass casket. Well, there was almost no way I could go back to sleep after that. Just all the things racing through my mind and wondering why. Maybe you've been there in your own life. Things don't seem to go the way you want them to go. God seems to allow things that are painful. What do we do when it feels like God has let us down? Like our prayers didn't work. Whatever it is you're carrying, even today, if it's like a 500-pound barbell on your heart, I want you to know that even as we talk about prayer today, that you can trust God with your deepest pain and brokenness because he's with us. See, prayer is not something we do. Prayer is actually someone we are with. God invites us into a conversation, into a connection. And if you're here and you're skeptical, I want to invite you to try something. It's a spiritual experiment. 
See, the Gospel of John is written by an eyewitness who said, I've written this to help you believe. And so starting today on our YouTube channel for all of Gateway and our Instagram channel for Gateway South, you can follow along. Just pray, God, if you're real, show me. Read a chapter from John and then watch the video that we post. I think you'll be amazed at what you discover. But John wrote this eyewitness account, and he writes about the seven different signs that show that Jesus is God, that he is the one who came to rescue us. And the first one was at a wedding, and the last one was at a funeral. And we're looking at the last one today. That number seven represents a number of completion in the scriptures, a number of wholeness. So John is curating these seven miracles to say something about Jesus, that he is who he said he is and that you can trust him. And so to begin with this miracle at the pinnacle of social celebration at a wedding, but also at the depth of human despair at a funeral, he's indicating that Jesus is Lord over both. He is with us in the midst of celebration and in the midst of suffering. He is present. He is with us. You know, and I've experienced this even recently, the peace that only God can bring in the midst of loss as losing my father in the fall and a, an uncle the year before that and an aunt the year before that. But it was first real to me that God can be with us in the midst of loss whenever my great uncle Henry got sick. I was 19 years old at the time. And, and my Uncle Henry was a gregarious and fun kind of uncle. I have a picture of him. There he is on the far right. He had tattoos before tattoos were cool. This arm sleeve, I think, is circa night, uh, World War I, I think. He was bald before it was cool. It's cool to be bald, right? <laughs> He's there with my Aunt Lily and Doyle and their Doyle's son, Bubba, and then my grandparents, who I call Dima and Pawpaw. And he, there's another picture of him here. And there's uh, Nora Dole's, Uncle Dole's uh, wife, and Pawpaw, and Lily, and Henry. And even though he had this big smile, he was intimidating because he also was raising pigeons. Dozens and dozens of pigeons. You'd go to his backyard, and it was overwhelming. In fact, especially when you discovered that those pigeons were in the movie The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. But what was even maybe more intimidating about this generation was they were passionate about their card games. And as a little kid, I could hear them in the other room arguing, yelling, swearing, throwing cards. And that was just my grandmother and her sisters. <laughs> but when he got sick, I just found myself praying for him every day. And I had this just sense, I need to write him. And I wanted to write him, just tell him how much I cared for him, just write him, telling him he doesn't have to be afraid that he can trust God with the future. But I was only 19. How can I encourage him that he doesn't have to have fear, that he can have faith? I mean, I'd only been to one funeral at this point in my life, but I wrote him. I eventually wrote him, and I just told him about some of my favorite experiences with him. And I 
encourage them that he could experience forgiveness from God. That what Jesus did on the cross could give him the assurance to know that he is forgiven. If he just were to ask God to forgive him and to allow him to have that sort of peace. That he doesn't have to fear death. Well, I had planned to go see him at Easter with the rest of the family. But every, again, as I was praying for him, every time I just kind of started having this feeling that I should go see him sooner. And so I did. I got in my car and I drove down to see him. I was in Waco. He was in San Antonio. And I, I was there with Papa and Dima and Aunt Lily. And as I walked into his house, he had a recliner. In those days, all the men had a recliner. And no one else was allowed to sit in those recliners. And so as I walked into the house, he saw me coming, and he reached over to the little end table next to the recliner, and he held up the letter I'd written and mailed to him a few weeks prior. And with a big smile on his face and tears in his eyes, he said, I did what you encouraged me to do in this letter. Well, I start to cry, Aunt Lily starts to cry, Dima starts to cry, and Papa disappears. I don't know where he went. But he said, I asked God to forgive me, and I do feel peace. It was such a, a beautiful moment. And a few weeks later, we all came back for Easter, but sadly, his condition had worsened, and he was now in the hospital and unresponsive. Had I not gone when I went, I would have missed that moment with him. And then when he passed away, my Aunt Lily asked me to speak at his memorial service. And I was a bit overwhelmed. I mean, I'm now asking God for peace, to be able to share and serve in this way. And I, and I was able to get through and I hope bring some hope, hope bring some comfort. But in the middle of that, over the next several years, I had a chance to help at Aunt Nora's funeral, Uncle Dole's funeral, my grandmother's funeral. It's not necessarily one of those things that we want to acknowledge. But a part of living is dying. And I'm so grateful that I had those moments with those that I love, knowing that things were getting worse, that I could say thank you. See, too often we're so afraid. We don't want to sound like we're giving up on the possibility of a miracle, the possibility of healing. But what's the worst that could happen? You thank someone for the life they've lived, and they get to live longer. What if we took advantage of those awful moments as a chance to say thank you? See, when we face loss, God is the one that can help us through. As Rocket, I think is his name, from Guardians of the Galaxy, would say, although he would say it cruder, we all lose people. We all lose people we love. But here's the beautiful thing. God is the one that can help us. See, we can either distance ourselves from God, turn away from God, or in those moments of loss, lean into the God who wants to comfort us. John 17, 3 helps right-size thinking about life beyond this life. It says, now this is eternal life, that you may know God and Jesus who you sent. See, knowing God is what eternal life is about, and it can begin now and continue into eternity. 
See, prayer is personal because prayer is wrapped up in a person. Prayer is not some message in a bottle that we hope crosses the ocean distance between us and God. It's an invitation from God who says, I'm here, talk with me, walk with me. No matter what season of life we're in, whether celebrating or suffering, God is with us. I want to share with you another form of prayer as we've been looking at the different ways to connect with God through prayer in this series. Today we're talking about lament. Lament. It's a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And biblical lament also moves from sorrow to praise. So many of the Psalms of David are his expression of anger and frustration with God, but he would always end it with, but even still, I will praise you. Even though nothing is going the way I want, I will trust you. And so we're going to pick up with the story in John chapter 11, one of the greatest miracles of all time. But there's some really odd things that happen in this story. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now there's something we can learn right here. If we can equate conversation with Jesus in prayer with their conversation with Jesus, they come to Jesus acknowledging his goodness, his love for Lazarus. They didn't feel the need to go into a long explanation of all the great things that Lazarus has done. A resume of all the ways he served people. They appeal not to Lazarus's history, but to God's love. This is the one you love, and he's sick. When we speak to God, we can be courageous. We can be honest, knowing that he's inviting us into his family. That when we choose to follow him, we actually become his sons, his daughters. Hebrews 4.16 says it this way. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have to use flowery language or pitch your voice down a notch or two so we sound more serious. I don't know if you grew up with any sort of church background, but I, I loved my pastor when I was a teenager. His name was Dr. John, Dr. John Bobo. He'd go to camp with us. He hired me on the summer so that I could help. Somehow I ended up learning how to take all the popcorn out of the houses, which was very difficult from the ceiling. He was a great guy, just real down-to-earth person. But sometimes when he would pray in church, he sounded like a different person. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. It's like, whoa, what happened to Dr. John, right? But there's something that if we grew up with any sort of religious environment we might miss the invitation is to just be yourself you don't have to have all the right words you just have to lean in towards faith we don't appeal from our goodness but from his goodness verse 4 when jesus heard this he said this sickness will not end in death no it is for god's glory so that god's son may be glorified through it now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
Now, Jesus says the sickness will not end in death, but we know that Lazarus dies. So if I'm Mary or Martha or any of the disciples, later on I'm thinking, wait a second, you promised Lazarus would not die. But we know that Jesus is a man of his word, that God can be trusted. And oftentimes it's our version of his promise that gets skewed. It's what we assume that's off. Because Jesus loved them, he waits. It doesn't make sense. It's like an oxymoron, two words that don't belong together, right? Like jumbo shrimp, cafeteria food, Mavericks basketball. Like they just don't actually fit well together. But you know, some of the hardest moments in life aren't when God says yes, or even when he says no to a prayer, it's when we have to wait, when there's silence. Do you feel that? I was supposed to wait five seconds. I could only do three. It was so uncomfortable. We don't like the silence. But sometimes when we pray, it feels like they go no higher than the ceiling. But we need to remember that God is listening. And he can bring that peace that's supernatural in the midst of our suffering. I've heard a pastor say, everyone wants to see a miracle, but none of us will ever want to sign up for a situation that necessitates a miracle. See, God will hear our prayers. God loves it when we speak to him, even if we don't have all the right words, even if it's filled with angst. God will hear our prayers and expectations, but he is God, and he answers our prayers in ways that we don't always understand or agree with. And I don't know what some of you are thinking, okay, that's the old cop-out answer. God works in mysterious ways. It feels like a lazy response. But what you should know is if God met all of our expectations, then he would never have a chance to exceed them. As I've said throughout the series, one of my favorite quotes on prayer is Tim Keller out of New York City who said, God answers our prayers the way we would if we knew what he knows. There's something bigger happening. So let's see what's happening in this particular story that makes that statement true. John eleven seventeen. on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in their loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Notice, Martha is coming in hot. <laughs> if you had been here, things would be different. But this clues us into what lament is like, what prayer should look like. If you had been here. See, prayer is coming to God honestly with our hearts, heartbreaks, disappointments, and loss. We find ourselves struggling. God, there was no reason why I lost that job. Why would you take that from me? I've done everything you've asked, and yet my parents still got that divorce. How could you take this person I love? Why did I suffer with that kind of abuse? Why would you allow that to happen to me? 
See, when we lament, we're not actually hurting God's feelings. He can handle our emotions. We can actually trust him with the things that far too often end up defining us for the worse, which is our pain. Remember, God knows what we don't. And that is in that pain, when it goes unchecked, will actually morph and multiply into something septic to our souls. Rather than walking away from God, leaning towards God when we're suffering can bring the healing that we need. The truth is, God wants to bring healing to your heart. He's there to bring healing to your heart, but he won't force it. He gives us the opportunity to ask for that healing, to allow him to be part of the process of healing. See, prayer is coming to God honestly with our hearts, our hurts, heartbreaks, disappointments, and loss. Verse 22 Martha continues, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. That's the kind of faith I want. That's the kind of prayer life I want. God, this isn't what I want. In fact, it's the opposite. But even now, may your will be done. And so Jesus ends up in this exchange. Your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha, in her honesty, is invited into a deeper revelation of Jesus that she would not have otherwise experienced. See, prayer, lament, reminds us of who God is. In this conversation with Jesus, this prayer, her willingness to honestly open up, she actually steps into the character, the nature, the power of God. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's a good question to try to answer ourselves. Do we believe that there is life beyond this life, that there is hope, that we can trust our future, our present, our past to him? She replies, yes, I believe you are the Messiah, which is a really remarkable thing for her to say. See, the miracle wasn't just that Lazarus would one day be resurrected, but it was a revelation of who Jesus was, is, and will always be. The Savior who came for us. See, the greatest miracle is actually the spiritual healing that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. I have some discouraging news. Everyone that you know that has been healed is going to die. Yes, I'm sorry to be the one to let you know this. But Lazarus dies again. He was brought back to life, but eventually he died. See, the greatest miracle wasn't the ways that Jesus can heal us physically, emotionally, relationally, it's that he can heal us spiritually and that lasts for all eternity. When you look at the story of Jesus, Jesus didn't heal everyone around him. In one case, he heals a man who had never walked in 38 years of life at a spot where 
anyone with a disability would go in order to try to find some sort of miraculous healing. See, here's the thing. God is still God even if he had not brought Lazarus out of that tomb. Jesus can still be trusted even when he doesn't show up the way that we want. When we pray, we're reminded of who he really is, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come, the firstborn among the dead, the one whose name is faithful and true. See, the real miracle is a transformed life, a transformed eternity when we choose to follow Jesus. See, prayer lament is God reminding us of who he is. Mary finally comes out, and a lot of those in mourning come out with her, and she echoes some of the same things that Martha says. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, but maybe one of the most beautiful. Jesus didn't say, why are you crying? I'm about to bring him back from the dead. He saw that they were hurting and he wept with them. That's why we as followers of Jesus are invited to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice, because that's what Jesus did. He came and lived among us and suffered alongside of us so that we can know that when we come to him, he understands our pain and he's with us in the midst of of our pain. The evil things that happen in this world, he did something about. He took it upon himself on the cross, dying for you and me. But he defeated sin and death by rising again on the third day. And he's alive. And he is with us. We are never alone. See, lamenting is mourning. And we live in a world that's filled with all sorts of terrible things that happen. And we need to not lose that invitation from God to mourn with those who mourn, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Too often we get sucked into politics on either side when something terrible happens and we want to blame politics and issues and blame people when in reality we need to stand with people. Walk with people rather than standing on issues. Jesus weeps and so should we. But you know what mourning does? It keeps your heart soft for those who are broken. For those who need encouragement. But here's the end of the story. The beautiful news is that one day God will make all things right. Listen to what happens at the end of the story in Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so back to our story. They took away the stone. Verse 41, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing there, that they may believe that you sent me. 
Verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Lamenting is trusting God's track record and his character. I mean, think about how remarkable this must have been. Jesus comes out and he asks Lazarus to come out of the tomb. And he comes out all thriller style. And what begins to happen is the religious leaders are now facing the fact that the greatest proof that Jesus is the Messiah is walking around and his name is Lazarus. Unaware that an even greater miracle was to come. That Jesus would willingly give his life and he would rise from the dead. Defeating death and sin. Some of you know our care pastor, Mike Papali, has been fighting cancer this last year. Him and his wife, Kay, have three teenage kids. And I just want to say out loud, thank you for serving them, for praying for them. Some of the men, our Gateway Guys group, were there yesterday doing yard work. Some of you brought food. Some of you just been there to visit. Some of you have been praying. And we're going to continue to pray, even as things have gotten so, so hard. So we asked Mike, who has a beautiful message he's been eager to share, but his strength has not been improving. And so we asked him just for a few minutes to share with us what he's been learning in this process. And so let's listen and watch Mike. There are so many emotions that I've been going through since I got the news that my cancer would be terminal. Bewilderment. You know, just not grasping what, what's going on. Anger. You know, I, I, I went through, through anger with God. There have been a lot of times where I don't feel him at all. You know, sometimes I just feel like, hey, it's the least you can do is be close to me. It's hard, it's hard to, to stay close to God sometimes, you know, because we have situations in our life where you have no reason to stay close to God. Or you could just turn the towel in like, I'm done. And I finally landed on joy. Even though I, I, it's not what I want. He's always gonna be there for you. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're doing, he's always gonna be there. So staying close to him I think it just brings an added joy, an added, just a sense of, of, of completion that, that even if, if, if you win or, or you lose in whatever it is that you're doing, that there's someone there who cared the whole time, who was interested, felt your pain, your joy, because he cares about each one of us. And he truly cares. 
And you don't get that from people all the time. But you do get that from him. And it's genuine. This is really hard. I never thought that I would be this guy. But I have such a sense of joy and peace. I feel ready for whatever is coming. I still believe that God is the God of miracles. That maybe there's one more in their bag for me. And so I just pray that whatever someone could get out of my story, out of my situation, that it helps them see God, that it brings them closer to God, because that's all I wanted, was to see more people come closer to God, even before this. Last summer, when things were really hard, I was talking to Mike and I asked him, what is he experiencing, learning from God? And he said, I've been asking God to pull me out of the pit that I've been in. And what I've discovered is a God willing to come into the pit to be with me. We're going to pray for Mike here in a little bit. But I, I want to share just very quickly and briefly something some tools, very practical. And I'm going to point you to gatewaychurch.com slash digging deeper, which I encourage you to always look at. But there's a process that can help us take all the heaviness of what we carry, things that we haven't dealt with and have ignored. But first, stage one, direct our discussion to God. Stage two, describe our pain, our doubt, our fear. Be open, be honest. Stage three is depending on God. And stage four is dwelling on God's faithfulness and character. Too often we dwell on what might go wrong or what is wrong, but instead dwelling on what's true, even beyond our lifetime. God's love and character can bring so much healing. And we can trust God with our deepest pain, with our brokenness, because he's with us. We're going to hear a song, and during this song, I just want to encourage you to consider this moment that, that Jesus is asking you, what do you want me to do for you? Just in the stillness of your own heart and mind, what comes to mind? What place of pain, loss, or grief does Jesus want to bring healing for you? And maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's just a, a starting that relationship. God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to be there with me. Help me through this life and into the next. So consider that as we listen to this. 